Unlocking the layers of perfectionism and procrastination, insights and tips to get out of the perfectionism rut. I'm Natalie Tisdall, a journalist who decided enough is enough. I left a career that looked glamorous to do what I was scared of doing, going out on my own. I'm a married working mom of three. On this podcast, we're going to talk about issues that really matter. Why am I not sleeping? What's up with that diet everyone's talking about? Are my kids falling behind? How do I leave that job and start over? Welcome to the Natalie Tisdall Podcast. I'm so glad you're here. Hi everyone, it's Natalie, how are you? Back to school time for me, and I've been so busy with the podcast, but also as a teacher, I'm teaching three classes this year, multimedia journalism, two sections of that, and podcasting. I love my high schoolers and this second career, I call it my retirement career. So many people find teenagers difficult, but I find them life-giving. I'm sure I will have topics related to teaching and parenting coming up here in the next few months, but let me know if you have any ideas. I'm always open to your ideas on topics for this podcast. For today, and this could be the teenager in your life, but more than likely, it's you. We're talking about perfectionism. It holds so many people back from success. Nicole Baker-Holman is my guest today. She's a leading voice in the realm of personal growth and self-improvement. And today she's going to guide us through the landscape of perfectionism and procrastination. Nicole unravels the complexities behind traits like high achievers, procrastinators, and people-pleasing perfectionists. You're going to learn some strategies to navigate decision-making, goal-setting, and time management as Nicole shares her expertise on boosting productivity and also embracing our imperfection. I know how hard that is. So it's a really important topic today because in today's world where so many people are struggling with not feeling enough and often, and I know you relate to this as well, just feeling overwhelmed. So sit back or go on that walk and let's get started today. Oh, and by the way, thank you for being here. I appreciate you and I hope that you feel empowered after this interview. Nicole, thank you so much for joining. This is a topic that so many of us I know relate to. And sometimes we don't even realize that that's us until mm-hmm. you start hearing the stories and you say, oh, that's totally me. I, I, I am a perfectionist when I shouldn't be. You know, it's funny you said that because I, I go on, you know, some shows or I talk to people and they're like, oh, I don't really think I'm a perfectionist. Mm-hmm. And I ask them, I'm like, what do you think a perfectionist is? Like, how would you define it? And they're like, oh, someone who has an immaculate house, someone who is so put together, very type A. And I'm like, that's definitely a type of perfectionist. However, perfectionism is so broad, especially nowadays where people don't understand what perfectionism is until they hear, at least I'll, I'll say my definition of it. It is if my standards are, let's say, 125%. I have to be at 125% every single day. If I come in at 124, I'm not enough. I didn't push hard enough. I didn't do enough. I didn't achieve whatever enough. And so it's always from the place of no matter what I do, I never meet my expectations. And when I say it like that, they're like, oh, that's, that's me. Yeah. I find I'm the type of perfectionist. I, I'm sometimes I'm a little bit type A, like I just need things to be organized, mm-hmm. but I wouldn't say like super type A, but I find my perfectionism is 
procrastination. Like that I don't do it because I can't do it perfectly. And then I don't do it. Yeah. And then I, I push it down the road and then I kind I just don't want to start it until I can do it perfectly. So it's funny you mentioned that because I have a quiz that is what type of perfectionist are you? And per- procrastinator is one of the types. And it is by far the most populated type of the people who've taken this quiz. And I've had almost 3000 people take this quiz by now. And I think it's 56% come out procrastinator. And people often respond to me and they're like, I'm so sad. I don't want to be a procrastinator. Procrastinators are lazy. They don't do anything. Da, 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 da. And I'm like, halt, who goes there? That is not what a procrastinator is. In fact, I think procrastinators are some of the hardest workers. Mm-hmm. They're just always working on things that are not helping them move forward in their goals, move forward in projects, things that feel overwhelming to them. They instead see that overwhelm and they're like, ooh, you know what? Scrolling through TikTok sounds a lot more fun or cleaning my kitchen sounds a lot more fun (laughs) or whatever it is that's more... I'm definitely, I have a lot of the procrastinator in me. Yeah. Then that, then that thing that I just want to do perfectly and I can't do. (laughs) Absolutely. Cleaning out my email is a big one for me. Like I do not need to be cleaning out my email at nine in the morning because I'm overwhelmed. It's all the busy work. And a lot of people hear that in when it comes to perfectionism and they're like, oh, it's definitely because I feel overwhelmed. I feel like I have to do it all. I feel like I have to do it all perfectly. It's so it's almost like they're trying to jump to level 100 in their goal, in their project without doing steps one through 99 because our brain just deleted it. And because we deleted it, they get overwhelmed. The fight, flight, freeze mechanism gets set off in our brain and they'll flight. They'll flight to another thing that's more numbing, that's more easy, that they know how to do. So that's a really common sign that perfectionism is in the driver's seat. Okay. So let's unravel it a little bit and let's get to some ways that we can move past that. So when it comes to the procrastinator type of perfectionism, moving past it is truly just looking at those steps one through 99. Instead of dropping straight into level 100, what's step one? So let's say, for instance, this is, I work with a lot of like new business owners. So this is one I hear often. I want to make my website and on their to-do list for like three weeks has been build website, which is just cruel to your brain because you can't do that in one sitting. Your brain can't just like check off build website. So I say, okay, like let's say build website or have completed website is level 100 here. What is the next step? What's step one in the scenario? I call these milestone goals. And they say, oh, maybe it's pick a website platform. And I go, absolutely. Yes. Is that overwhelming? And they're like, no, I just Google it. And when it comes to that, it's breaking things down, chunking them down so that overwhelmed button doesn't get set off in our brain, which is truly the reason we procrastinate a lot of the time. Now, when it comes to okay, but I have to do it perfectly. I have to pick the perfect website platform. I think that boils down to two things. One, give yourself a time limit. If you're going to, if you're the type of person, Mm. I used to be like this a lot, who's going to research for like 45 hours and try to find the perfect one, have the pro con list, all that kind of stuff. I'm a very type A person in that way. That's just not a good use of your time. And by the end, you're like, oh my God, I could have been doing so many more productive things, Mm -hmm. quote unquote. So instead, giving yourself a time limit, I'm going to give myself 30 minutes to look at three different platforms that I could host my website on. Boom. So I think having that is really important. And also remembering over and over and over again, I can change if I don't like this. Down the Mm -hmm. road, I'm at step 50. 
I can change it. I can change it. I can change it. Nothing is permanent. Yeah, that's so important. I, I was talking to my 13-year-old son the other day, and he was trying to make a simple decision. And he said, I just can't decide. And I said, you know, there are some things where no decision is really a bad decision. You can have a hamburger, mm. you can have a hot dog for lunch. There's no harm in that. And you, th it's no big deal. Nothing is really going to change. And then there are some other decisions that are harder, but you can always go back. You can change it yes. later. But we just freeze in that, as you were mentioning, that that I just can't make the decision. I should do more research. And sometimes we go down the rabbit hole of research and boy, you, you end up full days and days and days of just getting into research. You know, there's a Naval officer. I'm totally escaping his name right now. I apologize. But he says, in order to make a decision, you need 60% of the information. If you get more you're in analysis paralysis. If oh, you yeah. have too less, you're not able to make a full form decision. So he always, I mean, and he works with, you know, people who are going into quick battles decisions. and in mm -hmm. very needing quick decisions moments. So do you have 60% of the information? Yes. Awesome. Now, obviously I say that to perfectionists and they're like, but what's 60% of the information? Da, 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 da. And <laughs> it's not enough. And really and truly it just boils down to it is enough. You have to trust yourself to know you can course correct if needed to. One of the yeah. biggest things I see in a lot of perfectionists is a lack of internal trust. So a lot of my clients, my one-on-one -on -one clients and I, we work on that pretty consistently. And just like, how can you trust yourself in this situation? What would it be like to trust yourself in this situation? And immediately like this light bulb turns on of like, oh, I've got this. I can make a decision that's different in six months and it doesn't hinder me in a life-altering way. Yeah. Well, let's, you mm -hmm. talked about the, the procrastinator, the type A person. Are there other types of perfectionists? There are. There's two others. The other one, I'm sure all of the listeners are going to be like, oh God, it's me, is the high achiever. So the high achieving perfectionists are the people who are constantly saying, what's next? What can I achieve next? This is going to make me happy. When I achieve X level of income, when I have this partner, when I X, like this big achievement, that will finally equal success and happiness. But a lot of high achievers will know that when we get to that level, it's not that it's actually the next thing that we decided when we were at 99% away from achieving that goal, it's actually the next level of income that's going to make me happy, so on and so forth. They're very forward thinkers in the way that, yes, growth mindset. Growth mindset is huge in high achieving perfectionists, which I think is a really great superpower. However, when you're always living in the future, and more importantly, always looking at all the things you haven't achieved yet, all the ways you're not measuring up, you're never going to be able to be A, grateful for what you are, and B, you're never going to be able to be present in the life that you are currently working so hard for. So I always say to high achievers, enjoy the life you're working so hard for because you've only got this moment once. Yeah. Isn't that so true? Can you be a mix? Because I'm, I'm relating to that in the procrastinator. <laughs> yes. I uh, thank you for, thank you for reminding me. Absolutely. And I, I think it's important to know before we even get into the third one, you can be a conglomeration of all three of these. I'd like to say you're a nice cocktail of all three types of perfectionists. <laughs> However, one tends to be more home base and 
you tend to bring out a different side of perfectionism in different chapters or different areas of your life. So for instance, for me, in my family, I'm very much a recovering third type of perfectionist, which is the people pleaser. But in work, I am very much a recovering high achieving perfectionist. Mm-hmm. In school, I was a, pro- a procrastinator perfectionist. I just really like to, you know, paint a wide brush across these scopes. Yeah. But I see this a lot in my clients and people in my community is that they tend to lean into, depending on what project or what category of life they're in at the moment, they tend to lean into a different type. The purpose of this is less so from like, you know, Enneagram or Myers-Briggs of like, what is my type? What is my psychology? It's more to say, ooh, when I'm experiencing X, Y, and Z symptoms, here's X, Y, and Z strategies to get out of it. Hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So good. give me some of those strategies. You got it. So for the procrastinator, it's going like it's going back to that what's step one, what's step two, diminishing that overwhelm, chunking mm-hmm. things down. When it comes to the high achiever, this is that oh high achievers hate it when I say this, but it, it has to be said. The line of still being a high achiever, still striving for more, still being that growth mindset, and enjoying your life right now comes from self-compassion. It comes from saying to yourself, I'm great. I'm doing enough. I can still do more, but I'm also still doing enough. It's acknowledging that you don't have to self-flagellate or self or push yourself into the next level in order to be enough. It's saying, I am enough right now. Does that immediately take away your strivingness? Absolutely not. And a lot of high achievers think that the second they start to be grateful or the second they start to show self-love, which I think is a very overused term right now, I'm meaning that in the true sense of the word, they think that they're going to be complacent or, oh my gosh, then I'll be mediocre. And the opposite could not be more true. The successes taste so much sweeter when you've been talking kindly to yourself along the way. Yeah. So that's kind of like the secret hidden superpower there. For the people pleaser, however, people pleaser is a phrase we all know and I, I was, I'm not going to say know and love. We all know and tolerate know right it. now. Well. Yeah. We know it all too well, especially us women. When it comes to people pleasing, it's going back to that capital T word trust. When I see a lot of people pleasing perfectionists, it's them putting other people on a pedestal above themselves saying they're smarter than me. They have a higher opinion than me. They know what's right. And I don't. It's lack of trust within what's my own voice. And do I deserve a seat at the table? And more of a, I need to make sure everyone else is taken care of. And I need to make sure everyone else knows that I'm putting them higher than me. And when it comes to people-pleasing perfectionists, honestly, congratulations, you are all doing the steps right now. Start exploring ways to get that inner trust. Listening to podcasts is a great way to dive into that personal love, that personal self-trust. Therapy, I'm a big, big, big proponent for therapy. I've seen it work wonders with my husband. I've seen it work wonders with me and my friends. Coaching is another really great way. But if that's not in your wheelhouse right now, go to the library and pick up a book. And go to the, what is it, the Libby library and listen to an audiobook if that's more your jam. There's so many resources for perfect or for people pleasing perfectionists right now, but it's just you gotta put in the work to start thinking in a new way that's going to lower their pedestal and raise yours at the same time. Yeah. Now I want to put a small yeah. disclaimer. Because a lot of people hear that and they're like, oh my gosh, I'm going to be the higher pedestal that's selfish, that's ba-da-da, which for people-pleasing perfectionists is like, I'd rather die. It's not about putting yourself on a higher pedestal than others. It's not about being selfish. It's about 
bringing yourself up to like feel like you're deserving a seat at the table and not apologizing for being there. It's putting yourself on that same pedestal level, not higher, not lower, same level. Yeah. I I couldn't agree more. Do you Mm -hmm. think that most of these three types of perfectionism you're talking about are developed over time in family structure Mm -hmm. and how we were nurtured? Or do you think it's nature? Do you think we're born this way? I do think it's a lot of nurture, maybe nature. I haven't done a whole lot of research on that because I've just seen so much in nurture Mm. for the high achieving perfectionists, especially they tend to be in families where they were praised for being the best, where they were punished if they didn't get good grades, where they were always asked what's next, what's next. Like I have a friend who graduated from college and she went out to lunch with her family, like right after graduation, still in her cap and gown, her parents sat down at the table. They said, okay, what's next for you? That's a very like nurture <laughs> style of high achieving perfectionist. Oh, it tends to always yeah. be future focused. When yeah. it comes to the procrastinator, I think it is very much societal nurture because mm. we are constantly being berated with information, with social media, with our emails being attached to our phones, with our phones being attached to us. I mean, I also think with children, especially right now, like there's always this push for like, okay, how many extracurriculars can you do? Um, How many ACTs or not ACTs, AP classes can you take? Like there's this push for like, how much can you do and overloading schedules, just like we're overloading our own as adults. So I think that that's very like societal nurture when it comes to people pleasing, I do think it goes back to that fam- familial nurture because normally it's, you know, a child that they were the emotional stability of the family. They tended to be someone who maybe mom and dad were fighting and whenever they were in the room and pleasing them, the fighting stopped. So mm-hmm. that's obviously a very dramatic example. There can be less dramatic and less capital T traumas, but that tends to be in the same boat when it comes to the people pleasing perfectionist. Yeah. Yeah. It has to be a mix of both. But uh, mm-hmm. do you think, well, I, I'm sure you're going to say yes to this because I, I I see it all the time. You have to identify it. I mean, just like any addiction or anything else, you have to identify what your problem, if you want to call it a problem, is before you can start taking steps. That's why I love yes. podcasts and I love books and I love the research. Is like you start to hear other people's stories and you say, oh, I completely relate to that. I, I never mm. thought of myself that way. I just thought that I was, like you said, lazy and I I procrastinate when actually it's a form of perfectionism and here's what I can do to work on it. But the number one step is to identify it. I could not agree more. And I'm actually going to, I'm going to go out on a limb here and say, this is one of the things that I think social media right now is doing right because Mm -hmm. there is so much information on here's what anxiety is. Here's what perfectionism is. Here's what high achieving is. Here's what hustle culture is and so on and so forth. What I do, I'm going to put a major asterisk there. What I don't think it's doing fully is saying, okay, now you know what's next. And instead just saying, here's the issue problem (laughs) period. Yeah, exactly. So Mm -hmm. I do think a whole bunch of that is, is in a good way. It's able to help us self self diagnose. I don't want to say self diagnose because that could be really slippery, but it's able to give us an opportunity to say, oh, I'm not alone in this thinking. Right. And that's really special. Now I think that there's a period of time And high achievers don't really like this. And us all who live into the busy culture don't really like this. But I do think that there's a period of time where we need to just sit 
with the, oh, this is how I am. And just start, no, or not how I am, because that sounds fixed, but this is a pattern that I've had. Let me say that mm-hmm. instead. And just start noticing when it comes up and noticing when it comes up and noticing when it comes up. This is actually something in our brain called the reticular activating system at work here. And basically what the reticular activating system is, is this huge filter in the front of our brain that at any given moment is taking in 80 million bits of information from like the blood pumping through my right ear to your blinking eyes to the wind outside. And if we were consciously aware of all of these 80 million bits of information, we would be in the fetal position on the ground. Not okay, basically. So what the reticular activating system does is said, it says, okay, what's important to Nicole? I'm going to filter that through, but what's not important to Nicole, I'm going to delete it. And for the longest time, the people pleasing or the overwhelm or the numbing out or the high achieving is so autopilot that our brain is just like, okay, I'm going to save energy and just delete it. You know, I'm just not even going to let you notice it anymore. It's just going to happen and just not even notice it. Mm -hmm. But when we say, hey, reticular activating system, I want to start noticing this. I want to start paying attention to this. It's going to say, great, I'm going to start filtering it through. So it's in your conscious mind. So for instance, when I was really noticing that I was deep in hustle culture due to some things from my childhood, due to some things that I was doing in my business, I was very much like, okay, I do not want to be a part of this world anymore. It is not making me happy. I'm, I'm burning out. I'm working myself to death. And I started saying, okay, like, I want to start catching myself on this. I didn't even know about the reticular activating system at this point. But what my RAS started doing was saying, okay, anytime you feel like you need to overload your plate, I'm going to set an alarm bell, basically. And I would get an email saying, hey, Nicole, can you take this on? And I'd immediately be like, oh, yeah, I can. But because I told my RAS, hey, start catching this, it would be like, hey, remember, you stop, you want to stop doing this. Mm-hmm. And it was, it was so much easier for me to catch on this. That was a huge, long-winded neuroscience explanation, but oh, there's, but a, there's a scientific so reason. Yeah. Yeah. It's that whole, I have to know I'm doing it before I can do the hard work. Have to be aware of it. I do the same thing with, I've had a couple of big, I'm I'm pretty good at short projects. I worked in the news business for so long. I lived in a daily (laughs) news grind. I could do it on my feet quickly. I could write quickly. I could all of these things quickly, but then long projects, big projects. Talk about procrastination. It's like, oh, you you mentioned chunking things down. 25 years in the news, news business. I never really had to do that. It was more in the moment. So I started seeing a pattern of long projects being so hard for me. And I, I, I have to do the hard work now. I have to stop and make short projects out of those big really big projects. But I think what's important to note that I love the neuroscience because what's important is that I'm noticing it. I'm very aware of it. And I stop and go, why am I procrastinating that? Why am I? Why it's driving? And then I become a perfectionist about not procrastinating. (laughs) I can't, you know, that's so hard, but being aware of it and then having strategy. So you gave me a couple of strategies for each of the different types of perfectionists. Are there other things and other pieces of advice that you can give my listeners that will help with this overall process in procrastination Mm. or any of the three forms of perfectionism? Stop trying to do it all. 
you're going to lose that battle first and foremost, because who here hasn't laid in bed, you know, right about to go to sleep, thinking of all the things on your to-do list that you didn't get done that day and beating mm-hmm. yourself up and totally forgetting about the 40,000 things that you did because you were a chicken running around with your head cut off with an urgency <laughs> of a house fire all afternoon trying to do your to-do list. When we let go of this idea of doing it all, it is so releasing. There's an amazing book, actually. I don't know if you've read it called Essentialism by Greg McGowan. Have you read it? No, no. Tell me. Life-changing. It is a life-changing book. But basically what he talks about is how when we are trying to do, let's say, 42 different projects at once, we're not focusing on 42 different things. We are multitasking and using our brain's supply of energy, of focus, of flow state, of all these different things. And we're vastly depleting it really quickly versus if we take one project and say, I'm going to focus on this first, not forever, first. I'm going to focus on one project first. I'm able to get into flow state first and foremost, because you can't get into flow flow state when you're multitasking ever. Yeah but you're able to focus on one thing at a time. You're able to see your progress. It's much more journey-based and you're able to look back and be like, oh, wow, like I actually completed something. Look at me go. Like, look how amazing this is. And I started doing this with one business goal and one personal goal at any given moment. So at like for instance, right now, a person or a business goal for me is growing my podcast and really making that a larger part of the business because it's one of my favorite parts of the business. And because that is my main focus right now, I did have to release some other things that were, you know, lingering in the back of my mind. Oh, Nicole, you should be doing this. You should be doing that. But I was like, that's not the focus right now. It will be the focus someday, but it's not right now. And By doing so, not only is my podcast moving way, 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 way faster than I thought it would, but it's also giving me space to be a human outside of my goals, which I think is so important and not talked about enough, but it's also giving me the opportunity to rest, to relax, to feel like I'm not grasping at straws and instead I'm taking very intentional, deliberate action, which feels as a type A, very good to be in that kind of control, (laughs) I'll be honest with you. Uh, but that's that that is kind of a hard pivot, but I do think that's really important to talk about, especially when it comes to just like the the echo chamber of busyness that we're in right now. Yeah. How often do you change? I, I love that idea of one professional and one personal goal mm. at a time. But how often do you reanalyze that? Is it every week, every month, every quarter? <sighs> month is probably the the best time of duration, I'd say. I have like, you know, my quarters planned out and each of those months in each quarter have like a a focus of the month basically. But I will say every Monday morning, I have a sliver of, it used to be 30 minutes. Now it's just 15 where I choose my milestone goal. Going back to that procrastinator, I choose my milestone goal for the week, which is just that tiny, tiny, tiny goal. I always make sure it is something I am feasibly able to do in a week. I choose my milestone goal. I break it down into something I call one sitting tasks, which is exactly what it sounds like. Tasks that I can do in one sitting that will help me accomplish this milestone goal. And I plug it into my week. And that just helps me stay on track. I've I've shared this a few times and people are like, Jesus Christ, that's so organized. That's too, like, I could never be that organized. And to them, I say, BS, you can. Because I used to be someone who was frantic and all over the place. Yeah. But it's the discipline that it takes to sit down and fulfill those 30 minutes, but 
it has changed my life. Those 30 minutes a week. Those simple things you're just giving yourself parameters and allowing yourself to succeed within them versus feeling this great big world of not achieving because it's too big. I love that. Mm -hmm. That's fantastic. Some great tips and and just identifying our types of perfectionism alone. That's going to start us down the path of fixing, or at least helping ourselves. We might not ever be yeah. fixed, but maybe that's a bad word, but we certainly can help ourselves and give ourselves some grace and work on these yeah. things. So tell us more about your podcast though. I want to hear more about where people can find you and learn more. Thank you very much. My, my podcast is called Imperfect Success. You can find it literally anywhere you're listening to podcasts, probably the platform you're listening on right now, if you just type in imperfect success. But we just hit the milestone of being a top 2.5% globally ranked show, which was a really cool moment. I freaked out very much and called my mom. But um, (laughs) that is the bread and butter of what I do. I also am on Instagram at Life Coach Baker. You can find me there. I'm primarily on that platform. But I also do coaching. I also do discovery calls. If you are ever interested in hopping on a call with me for a free 30 minutes. It is you and me actively coaching together for those 30 minutes. And no matter what people leave with tactical takeaways. And I've had people, you know, not sign up for a program. We barely speak for like six months. And I hear back, I hear back from them after those calls and they're like, Oh my God, I went full time in my business because of the things we talked about on this call. So they're, they're really, really powerful. And you can find those at lifecoachbaker.com forward slash discovery call. Fantastic. Well, we'll put some links in the show notes here. So make it easy for people to find you and connect and listen to you. Nicole, thank you so much and uh, all the best to you. Let's connect again soon. Yes, please. Thank you. Thank you for joining the Natalie Tisdall podcast. You can follow along on Instagram and at natalietisdall.com. Subscribe to the show to catch every new episode and leave a review so I can continue to bring you fresh content. See you next week.